0: Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Welcome back to Where Brains Meet Beauty. This episode is part of our mini-series called Podcasters We Love. I'm now fascinated by podcasting since I'm in that mix, and it is sort of the communications wild west, so this is an opportunity for me and our audience to get to know other podcasters, This week's episode features Kelly Campbell. She's a host of the Thrive podcast. It's a podcast designed to help agencies grow. So no doubt after I sat down with Kelly, I wanted to hire her um, to consult with me to help me grow. Um, She's a really fascinating story, and we talk a lot about how she started and why she started podcasting. So I think anyone who's curious about the podcasting landscape will be really interested in Kelly's episode. So I hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Today is a special episode of our mini-series called Podcasters We Love, and I'm sitting with Kelly Campbell. She's the host of the Thrive podcast. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Thanks so much, Jodi. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited to be here, too. And I was a guest on your show a few weeks ago, and that will air soon. That'll air soon, yeah, at the end of September. I'm excited about that. And um, we're talking everything podcasting today. And um, let's just start at the beginning, because I think the origin stories of how people got into this business is fascinating. Why do you start a pod? So
1: Thrive, your agency resource, um, really started out after I sold my digital agency. I had that for 14 and a half years. Um, When I sold that, I was like, what am I gonna do now? (laughs) You know, I'm like totally unemployable. (laughs) So I became um, an agency growth consultant. And I thought, well, what better way to add value to the creative agencies, creative media and tech agencies that I was working with for those that maybe weren't ready for a consultant but they just had specific questions I would bring other guests on, you know, bi-weekly, and we would kind of just chat and really dive very deeply. Not I, w- I didn't want to make it a broad show because there's so many of those out there. So I wanted to dive really deeply into specific topics that agency owners, you know, th- that are top of mind for them. So it started out for me I think as creating valuable content, but then obviously also kind of a marketing tool because I got to chat a little bit about you know, what I did and how I helped agencies, um, but that that obviously wasn't like the theme of the show. So that's kind of how it got started, and then uh, I would say after about 18 episodes, it wasn't even a full year, um, I attracted a sponsor, which was great because they were looking to add really insightful content to their audience, which happened to be the same audience as mine, creative agency leaders, and So they approached me and said, you know, we love what you're doing. Can we put our name behind it? And because they gave me that creative license and I was talking to the same demographic, they gave me, you know, full carte blanche of what I wanted to do with the show. I said, sure. So it turned into an additional revenue stream, but that wasn't the original, you know, idea for it.
0: That's that's the dream, though. <laughs>
1: totally. I never thought it would happen in less than a year, though. That so. is really
0: amazing. Let, can we go way back, though? So you had a business for 14 years and sold it. Why did you sell it? Um, I sold it because the universe
1: was telling me that I needed to do something bigger. Um, and I loved my agency. I mean, it really was my life. But I also thought that there was um, something a little detrimental about that, you know, being so young. When I sold it, I was 36, and I had had it since I was 22. So um, I just felt like at that point, I wanted to be doing higher level thinking. I wanted to be more of that consultative um, person who would come in and help other agencies to kind of scale up and look at what they were doing right and wrong and It just felt like a really, really good fit for me. So um, circumstances happened where I had two different offers to purchase the agency within 30 days. And I was like, well, this is obviously the universe is telling me something. Does that happen? Um, It happened to me, but I actually didn't sell it to either one of those. I sold it to a third party. Um, so.
0: So at this moment in time when you're sort of like thinking about what's the future hold for me, the universe puts two offers to sell your agency, like was your agency for sale? No, not at all. In fact, I was
1: going through the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses program, putting together an agency growth plan, and uh, literally a month after graduating that like, sort of MBA-ish program, um, that's when I sold my agency. So no, it was not in the, in the plan at all. But I think when you're open to things, they
0: come. Right, but, like, they don't come that fast, usually. <laughs> well, obviously,
1: you know, for me, it was um, it was something that I just needed a change. You know, I, I really, I was at that point where I was totally burnt out. Mm-hmm. And I knew I wanted to, um, you know, put my clients in good hands. But I also needed, what does the next 10, 15, 20 years look like for me? My wife is 20 years older than I am and she is retiring this year. So, you know, we like to travel a lot. You can't do that when you have an agency. You can't take four or five vacations a year, the way that I was running the agency anyway. Um, So, it was, it all kind of, the story just kind of unfolded for me, which was an interesting journey.
0: I'm gonna wait for the ambulance to go away and then we'll pick it up. Eleni, you can cut this part out, talking to my producer. We've been lucky to have a lot of crises in the neighborhood lately. Kind of crazy, yeah, it went west or east or it's just sitting still, right? It's going away
1: very slowly.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Usually it comes right down Broadway, probably since shakes traffic. the building. Okay, we're good. Okay, Alini, we're going back up. Okay, so, um Okay, you get the opportunity because you put into the universe that you need something different in your life, your business gets sold, mm-hmm. you make money,
1: mm-hmm.
0: You money you're happy with. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Yep. Um, I mean,
1: not enough to retire at 36 and not do anything else. And plus, you know, I had to do something else because I would go crazy if I was just sitting at home.
0: So how did the idea of doing the pod, I mean, I know the pod's a business development tool initially, but like... Did someone say to you, "Hey, you should have a podcast," or were you like super interested in podcasts?
1: So I was interested in podcasts because in two thousand seven, I had created another company. It was called um, the Holistic Option, and it was an online platform, a wellness platform, kind of bridging consumers and holistic practitioners. And one of the one of the ways that we produced content for that um, entity was podcasting. At that point, it was just audio podcasting because 2007 video quality just wasn't that great on the on the user end Um, and that was a really really successful venture for me because you know podcasting at that time like it was sort of this fad and then I feel like it died out pretty quickly but we were like the top show in the health category on iTunes for like a solid year straight.
0: That's amazing. Yeah
1: so we had a really loyal audience and Um, again, invited different guests on, and I was able to get pretty big guests. Um, I had Deepak Chopra's daughter on the show. I had Mayam Bialik. Um, I still have a voicemail on my cell phone from her that I will not erase. Awesome. Um, So I just, I was able to get people to come on. I don't know, maybe because podcasting was like this cool thing at the time. And then for, I would say from Maybe like 2010 to 2015. Like those five years, it just died out. I don't know what happened. And then now there's this resurgence. So
0: When you approached us in 2007, the technology for supporting podcasting was so different than it is now. Was it really hard to actually like get record the content and put it up on iTunes? It wasn't
1: hard to record the content, but um, being that I had, like, a development background, um, I had to, you know, mess with XML files, and I had to upload them to the server, and that's how iTunes would would pull it out. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was way, way more complicated than it is today. Now it's like you publish something, yeah. there are all of these plugins for your WordPress site, and it automatically goes to iTunes. So it's just, it's seamless at this point. So
0: um, let's talk about the format of your show. Yeah. it's different than ours. We're audio only, and mm-hmm. I think only because i didn't want to be bothered with people saying, well, I need hair and makeup, you know, in my business, <laughs> in the beauty right, business. Right, like right, this, right. this is what I'm going to, I need wardrobe, hair, and makeup. And I didn't want that to get in the way of people willing to be on the show. Right. Um, but your, your format's different than ours. Tell, tell me about your
1: format. Yeah. So I do the show from my home office. Um, I kick my dog out and, you know, just make sure that her stuff isn't around. And I just record it through Skype. So the software that I use is Skype with uh, another plugin called Call Recorder. It's from Ecamm Tools. I think it cost me thirty dollars. I bought a really good webcam, probably cost me sixty-five dollars, and I had um, the microphone from two thousand seven. The, the I think it was like a snowball mic or something like that. I don't remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I just use that as the setup and then what happens with the format is that when I Skype the other person as a video call, the tool, the call recorder tool automatically creates like a split screen and that's it. And then you just export it as an MOV file and you can open that up with QuickTime. I have a video production company that puts in the intro and the outro to the beginning and the end of the show. So I just upload the raw format um, to Google Drive, they grab it down, do what they need to do, and send me back a link.
0: And then they make an audio file just for iTunes for you? So
1: I do everything. After Uh they give me the video file, Uh I just open that up in QuickTime, and you can just export it, literally a click of a button, and then you have the whole audio file.
0: Right, so um, what, what's so fascinating about what you're describing is it really is very easy. Yeah. And like you could just either listen, they can people can listen to you and take notes, or look, literally Google this and mm-hmm. figure it out. Um, there really are no barriers to starting a pod these days.
1: No, and honestly, you don't even need the microphone and the webcam. You could use whatever's built into your laptop or your desktop. Um, the only thing that you would need if you're going to use Skype is Call Recorder, which again is $30, mm-hmm. one-time fee. So it is... It's, there's no barrier to entry for this. You don't have to be like a technophile to do any of this. Um, it's really, really easy.
0: So you talked about wanting to be really specific with your pod, right? There was like a lot of like kind of wide ranging pods out there and you chose to narrow your focus. Mm-hmm. Um, what was important about that for
1: you? So I wanted agency leaders to get a ton of value and I wanted whatever was keeping them up at 2 a.m., I wanted us to address those specific issues on the show. Um, So the beginning, I think for the first maybe 25 episodes, I just thought about what the things were that were on my mind as an agency owner. And I kind of carved that out and then thought about what guests might be good. And then I like to play nice in the sandbox, so I invited all my competitors on the show. So I just, I had Carl Sakis on the show, Jason Swank. These are all agency growth consultants um, all around the country. And then I just did an interview with um, David C. Baker, who I would say is probably the the most well-known. He's been doing this for 25-plus years, Um, and he's in Nashville. So his episode is coming out right after yours.
0: Oh, cool. So, like, what... If you can think back to your first 25 episodes, what are some of those things that keep people up at night who run agencies?
1: So, um, which financial metrics should I be looking at that I'm not looking at? Um, that was a show I recently did. People really wanna know about business development, so we talk very specifically about growth hacking tools, techniques, um, how should you, should you even be doing you know outbound cold email? How do you warm up a cold email? So really, really specific things that can help them with, um, yes, growth as a broad, but really specific tools, techniques, um, software. So I've had a couple of people from different software companies come on and just talk about how their software is really designed for an agency and how it helps them either bring in revenue um, from the standpoint of being able to use it for their clients, for the services that they they deliver, or bring in new clients for them um, from a biz dev standpoint.
0: So can we talk about your sponsor now? Because that's one of those tools. Sure.
1: Yeah. So jig is the sponsor. And I had the CEO, um, Ron Aussie, on the show. I'm going to say somewhere on episode 15, but don't quote me on that. Um, and I had known about jig when we, at my agency, were looking for sort of an all-encompassing project management, account management, CRM, like the total solution. Workamajig did come up on our radar, but this was many, many, many years ago when they were still uh, based in Flash, if you can imagine that. So that for us was a deal breaker, and over the last like five years, they've gone completely to HTML five, and the, the platform is just it's beautiful, it's seamless, it has everything, literally everything that you need for resourcing, estimating, accounting, invoicing. So you don't have to have, you know, um, Basecamp for project management, and then you know QuickBooks for your accounting, and you know all of this. You can literally run the entire agency on one platform. So, I had him on the show learned a little bit about that, and then I looked into the software because I need to know about it um, to a very uh, a very detailed extent because I might be recommending that to agencies that I work with that maybe have disparate software or are not using anything right now. Um, and then it was their marketing team that actually reached out to me and said, hey, we need to create content. I said, oh great, what does that mean? What do you want me to do, write some blog posts? And they're like, we don't know what we wanna do. And so I said, well, you know what? We're talking to the same people with the podcast. Why don't you just sponsor? And they were like, we love it.
0: That's awesome. (laughs) So that's
1: literally how it happened.
0: I mean, it makes so much sense, right? Like you're you're generally curious about their product because your clients will be. This is the perfect marriage for them.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And they've been a great partner, I have to say, from beginning to end. Like very collaborative. Um, I ask them all the time, you know, for guest and topic recommendations and yeah, it's been, it's been perfect. I, I'm sure that there are other situations where there are sponsors where it doesn't work out so well, but for me, um, it's been really, really great.
0: That's cool. So yeah. um, let's talk about your expertise because you're specifically talking to people who run agencies, but why is your advice only for people who run agencies? Like, why couldn't, why couldn't your advice be beneficial for someone who either owns a brand or a product or a warehouse? Like, why an agency? So
1: it could, um, but I like the idea of a niche. You know, like, I, I want to practice what I preach, mm-hmm. right? So if that's what I did for almost 15 years, and I know that all of the moving parts, everything that's encompassed with running an agency, it's a little bit of a different business model. It's a different... Um, it, I think it's different in so many ways than just running a business where you have you know, widgets, you're selling widgets, you have inventory. You know, I, I like to stay in my lane and I know that world so well. Um, and there are a lot of agency owners who are kind of at that mark. I work mostly with established agency owners. So, meaning that they've been in business for anywhere between five and 55 years. And they're in some type of um, pivotal point in the agency Maybe they wanna bring digital in or just kind of like augment their digital capabilities. Um, They've been relying on referrals primarily, so they're not scaling, they're hitting a revenue plateau. Um, So they don't know how to actually create a business development strategy that includes outbound marketing. Like, oh my God, we do this for our clients, but we don't do it for ourselves. So I think a lot of times these, these agency leaders are so close to their business so having that external perspective to say, hey, let me take in, like, a little inventory of, what are you doing now? How are you bringing this business in? We can help you know, mitigate a lot of risk. There are a lot of agencies that I see that 60% of their revenue is coming from one client. Like That's crazy, that's crazy. So we have to you know, spread it out. We also have to make sure that they're, they're not bringing on or working with too many clients. I see that often. You know really between 10 and 15 clients is kind of where you should be at and I know that's scary for some people because they're like oh my god I'm working with 75 active clients what do you mean I have to cut that list in like you know a
0: sixth why would why is that the recommendation
1: because the more that you can actually focus on what you're great at Mm -hmm. you can level up and you can be getting higher retainers it's a lot easier to replace a client that's accounting for five or 10% of your revenue. Um, it, you know, And you're basically you're just driving your team crazy. There's no way that you can be efficient doing, I mean unless you have like a 250 person agency, which in that case, like, that's not my lane. I stay within kind of 10 to 100 employees. Mm-hmm. Um, In that 10 to 100, if you're working on 75 accounts, you're driving your team crazy. Nobody's happy. You probably have some turnover. You're wondering why, (laughs) you know? And um, yes, you can put systems and processes in place, but I think the quality of the work is definitely gonna be impacted with that many clients. And then it probably also means you don't have the ideal clients. If you're just trying to scrape and get like 1,000 a month from this one and 3,000 from this one, um, you don't want to be running that rat race all the time.
0: I'm thinking into myself right now, like uh, if we go offline and I like tell you the whole story of our agency and I tell you how many people we say no to, I wonder if that's a good, it's <laughs> a good a great thing or a thing. bad thing. It's huh. a
1: great thing. I love saying no. I think it's the best thing. It's the, it means that you have really strong positioning if you're able to say no. I would say take on fewer clients, have more no conversations, And still leave the prospect with a really good taste in their mouth to say, you know what, we're not the right agency for this, but we can refer you over to, you know, one or two other ones Mm -hmm. and create a strategic partnership with them. So that when you're referring that business, you're actually just creating a new stream of income.
0: Right. Yeah, you're saying a lot of things that make me realize that we need to take this conversation (laughs) offline. So then that's my next question. Like the pod, I know it like it wasn't 100% business development. It was really like to, you know, share your insight with a broader audience, but do you see it fueling your your growth for your consulting business? Absolutely,
1: absolutely. And it's interesting because what happens a lot now, I would say literally within the last two or three months, I've gotten such an influx of people, and maybe this is because of the sponsorship, because they are sending the content out to their list of, I don't know, 15,000, 20,000 agencies across the country. So I'm getting an influx of new business, and the new business is... Um, contacting me through the website or through the live chat or whatever, or email, and basically saying, um, you know, I heard about you in one way or the other, whether whether it was, like, through just a Google search, and I found you. SEO is part of my background, Mm -hmm. so I'm really good at that. Um, And then they'll say, like, I read some content on your website. I read how you work with agencies, and I listened to a few or watched a few of your podcasts. And what happens is they get a sense of who I am, what my personality is like, the kind of questions I ask, and I think that just the, the breadth and depth of what my expertise is. So it gives them this trust or this, I don't know, this really, really good feeling to the point where they're like, okay, I did all my homework. Now I'm contacting you to see what is this going to cost me.
0: Right, and that's interesting because it actually probably makes them a, a more... Um viable potential client for you. They
1: qualify themselves. Right. Yeah. And I'm very specific about who I work with. It's like creative media tech agencies, 10 to 100 employees, between 2 and 25 million wanting to grow exponentially. If you fit within those lanes or those criteria and then you watch a few podcasts and you kind of, we there's some kind of vibe, they're going to email me. And so that actually, that's kind of how, I didn't anticipate it working like that. The other thing that I will say um, that was unexpected about the podcast was I started working with this agency. It was a social media marketing agency. And um, I was engaged directly with the CEO. He told the leadership team. He had a leadership team of about six. He told them about me. He told them that he was thinking about hiring me to come in and, and help them with some scaling. And the whole team started watching the podcasts. So the day that I walked in, instead of handshakes, I got hugs oh. because they were like we feel like we know you already. And I was like, wow, what a great extension of that content that I had never ever thought about that a team could actually, you know, because the the engagement started Um, or the contract was signed like a month before the engagement actually started. So they had all of that time to listen to a few shows, watch a few shows. And they got a real sense of who they were going to be working with. And I was there on site like for many, many, many hours a week. So I was going to work very closely with them. They wanted to know like, who is this chick? (laughs) You know, and that was great for me because it broke down that barrier. You know, that kind of awkward when you first start, you're a consultant. They don't really know what you're there to do. Um, so that, that was really unexpected and really helpful.
0: Yeah, I, I can imagine that's an incredible benefit. I, didn't, I haven't thought about that either, that um, this sense of familiar, familiarity yeah. goes way deeper than like an article about you ever could, right? Right. right. Or a case study on yeah. your site.
1: Yeah, so I think that's kind of the hierarchy. I mean, you can you can write content, and people can get a sense of your tone and your sentiment and your thought process. You can do an audio podcast, and they get a sense of all of that plus more. And then when you do the video podcast, I think it adds this extra layer of just yeah familiarity and and understanding exactly what the personality and the even just like facial expressions and body language and all of that. You know, um, it gives them a different sensibility about working with you. So I think it's I think podcasts are great for so many different reasons, and maybe not for the reasons that most people think. You know what I mean?
0: I what think, do you think most people think they're good for?
1: I think people want to hear themselves talk a lot. <laughs> I do, I do. I mean, that's why I didn't do a show that was just me talking. I wanted to bring guests on. You know, it's how many times can I you know talk about different things? And I think it's great to get different perspectives and all of that, but. I think most podcasts, it's, um, it's one or two people that just really have a lot to say. And they look at it as a megaphone and a, a platform for you know getting their own message or their own agenda out. And I don't know that it's as valuable as it would be if you brought in another perspective.
0: Right. So I'm wondering if your, if your guests have given you feedback about the feedback they've gotten about let me rephrase that. Have your guests given you feedback about the way they get feedback after being a guest on your show? Could I phrase that question more surely? <laughs> so what kind of feedback do your guests get from being on your show, from their fans? Oh, from their own fans. Yes. <laughs> okay, got it. <laughs> um, I think
1: that... I've only heard back from a few about what their own people have said because I'll get, a uh, every time there's an episode released, I get a bunch of people writing in, I love this that he said or she said, and so I always pass that on. Um, but I think a couple of them have just, if they weren't entirely focused on a topic specific to agency leaders, I think... Um, being on the show and because I focus so specifically for that niche, like I just, uh, one of the, the things that I have in my head is this episode that was just released last week with Scott Jeffrey. And he's all into self-actualization and internal development. And you're thinking like, what, how is this applicable to an agency leader? But it is. And he doesn't, he, he was actually a marketing consultant and he was a dot com startup founder many 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 years ago and so he went on to this path of really understanding what needs to happen for self-actualization and you know we talked about self-awareness practices and specifically for agency owners how we can just be whirling in our heads 24 hours a day and we have all these ideas how do you ground yourself and how do you you know sort of um be more thoughtful and more mindful about your behaviors because everybody around you, they're like children. They're just going to mimic exactly what you're putting out there. So we were talking about it from the context of you know, being more self-aware, and we called it self-leadership, how self-leadership can actually transform your agency or the culture of your agency. Because everybody that's around you is basically feeding off of that. Um, and there are definitely some agency owners I've worked with that I thought that could be really interesting because they're so chaotic and they're yeah. so disorganized and they're just running. And if you don't pause throughout the day to like ground yourself, everybody else is going to feel like that's what's expected of them is to be that chaotic, you know, get everything done no matter the cost. And and it's just, it's, it's cause for burnout. Right. Yeah. It's
0: so interesting that you're saying all this and it's making me wonder how much you've actually learned in the, from the episodes that you've done that's added oh to God. your arsenal, of, it's added to your talent.
1: Exponentially, exponentially. And it was, it's actually conversations like the one that I had with Scott Jeffrey, I think, that are the most impactful because um, they are validation of the way that I've changed as a person after selling my mm-hmm. agency. Um, were be, you
0: the, like, burnout, work out all the time, 100%. The chaotic? So you were chaotic. You were chaos. I, I wouldn't say chaotic. I was extremely organized, but
1: I worked six, hour, six days a week, um, sometimes seven. I didn't prioritize my home life. I prioritized my work life. My wife, like, liked to remind me of that often. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean... Yeah, I, I wanted to make sure that I was growing the agency, but I will say the thing that I did really well in my agency was that I prioritized my team over everything else. So we were very much people over profit. I wanted to make sure everybody was comfortable, they had a great work environment. All of those things were really important to me. And if there was a client that ever um, crossed a boundary or spoke to one of my employees in a way that they didn't feel comfortable with, I had no qualms about removing that client from our client list because um, I needed the team to understand how supportive I was of them. So even though I might have been killing myself working at the agency, I don't think I let that show. So that's probably how it it played out. But internally, I was a mess. Mm -hmm. I was a mess. And so the transition from selling that agency and not having all of that and not having that responsibility of you know, being being responsible for these 12 people, for their lives, their children, their homes, you know, their mortgages, all of that. I think uh, I was able to actually really dive into the self-actualization and, and self-awareness and it's been life-changing.
0: That's awesome. So my last question for you since you mentioned that you and your wife travel a lot, is mm. where are you going next?
1: So we took, we're on our going on our fourth vacation um, on Friday, we're just going to P Town for a week. But uh, we. What is P Town? Provincetown. Oh, okay. Massachusetts. Um, we just got back from Florence, Sorrento, and Barcelona earlier this year. Um, probably next year, she really wants to go to Greece. Um, but I'm trying to get her to go back to Indonesia because that's my favorite part of the world. And we were in Thailand for two or three weeks for our honeymoon. That was like seven years ago. And I've been to Bali and Singapore, and I just I want to get back there really badly. So the 21-hour the flights are not really her cup of tea, but um, I, I think I'm going to convince her.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Bon voyage. Thank you. And thank you so much for your wisdom today. Well, thank you for having me. And for our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Kelly. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes, and for updates about the show, follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast.